Hi. Hi. <laughs> can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Perfect. Can you hear? Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I can. We're doing it. We're doing it. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Um, I'm a little bit tired, but good tired. <laughs> okay. How was surfing yeah. today? Surfing was great. Surfing is hardly ever bad. <laughs> it's a little bit like yoga. Even like the crappiest days surfing are still, you still kind of feel better when you get out. Amazing. Unless you like hurt yourself or something, but fortunately that's, that's never happened to me yet. How often do you wood. go surfing? Are you any good at surfing? Um, so I have been surfing for probably like almost 14 years. I think I started when I was about 20, 21. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But I, to answer your second question, well, I guess I didn't answer your first question either. <laughs> I used to go a lot when I lived in the city, but since I moved to the East Bay six or seven years ago, I, I went less. And then, you know, I moved to Sacramento, so I went even less. And over the past few years, I've gone very few times, mm. but, um, so before yesterday, the the previous time I'd gone was like back in February. Okay. And then to answer your second question, I am not very good. No. <laughs> I mean like I I've been surfing for long enough that I can I can read the ocean pretty well and I can like situate myself in a favorable spot to catch incoming waves if it's not too big and I'm feeling brave. Okay. Um but once I'm up and riding, <laughs> like I'm not, you know, I'm probably like a, I'm probably like a five eleven surfer at catching waves, and I'm probably like a five ten minus surfer at riding waves. Perfect. Yeah. I imagine catching waves must kind of be like on sighting a five eleven where the holds keep moving around as you're climbing. It's really tricky. It's hard to describe how difficult it is to surf. I mean, I think that people who grew up doing it, it's just like innate for them. Uh -huh. But if you don't start until your 20s, it's like, wow. Because I grew up snowboarding and I thought that maybe it would translate. Because mm. I'm like, I started snowboarding when I was like six years old or something. But um, surfing is is like 10 times harder than, <laughs> than snowboarding to huh. me at okay. least. Um, it's difficult, but once you, once you sort of get a feel for the ocean and, and get a feel for how waves interact with the coast and stuff and how they behave, I guess, then it becomes easier to catch waves. And, and then you, you know, you learn all the little nuances, like how to position yourself on the surfboard and, you know, how much to paddle and how to, you know, transfer your weight and stuff once you're up so that you actually like, you know, go down the face and stuff. There's mm. so much to it, which I think that, you know, good surfers don't even really think about, but for someone, you know, my level, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of like an intermediate, maybe even intermediate plus on a good day surfer where I'm, you know, I still have to kind of think about the technique mm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not innate for me. But yeah, the last two days of surfing were freaking incredible. Yesterday nice. was like, yesterday was like one of the best sessions I've ever had at Ocean Beach. Nice. What made it yeah. so good? The waves were really good for me. Like I, not too big, not too I small. Can, 
not too big, not too small. Yeah, it was like a solid four feet. Okay. Um, maybe the occasional like five foot set, but most of mostly it was like three to four, um, and just like the glassiest, nicest conditions. Mm. Um, not too many people out, and you know, I I usually go out on my longboard, and so I can sit nice and far outside and you know, catch, catch the waves, get in early and stuff. And yeah, it was so fun. I went out with my buddy Mark yesterday and we were just like, just having a blast. And, you know, like there were dolphins surfacing, like migrating down the beach and pelicans were like, these groups of pelicans would like swoop in and like glide down the faces of the waves in front of you. (laughs) Oh, that's and not like in front of you while you're surfing, but like they would glide like the incoming waves and stuff. Uh-huh. And they're just so graceful and beautiful. And, um, and the waves were amazing. And I mean, the, you know, the smoke here is, is still pretty mm-hmm. thick. Mm-hmm. Um, not showing many signs of, of letting up anytime soon, but, um, so the coast, like the part of the city that you could see was pretty, eerie looking but it was so the air was so still that it was like really quiet in between sets like Hmm. out in the water it was like pretty quiet and you know there's like a handful of surfers around a couple dozen or whatever and but nobody's really saying anything so it's kind of funny because it's just like super quiet in between the sets because there's no wind Hmm. and then um you know the sets would come and and so you just hear the crashing of the waves and, and, and the great highway is closed right now to cars, oh, to car okay. traffic. So you can't even really hear cars. Oh, wow. Incredible. Even though you're like at the edge of San Francisco, but yeah, surfing is amazing. It's, it's super therapeutic, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask that. It sounds like it, it sounds like it must be. It's yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, you know, it's like, it's a little bit like taking a yoga class or something like you almost always feel better to some degree, even like way better when you get out of the ocean. Hmm. So yeah, I just did that for a couple of days in a row Nice. and yeah, feel it. My shoulders and back <laughs> and even my legs are, are really, really, really sore in a way that they're not usually sore climbing, but, uh-huh. um, I feel kind of, yeah, I feel pretty like blissed out. Nice. Is it good cross training or does it just totally wear you out for rock climbing? And you just need to recover. I think if you have like a lighter surf session, it can actually be like a really nice warm up. Like I've gone okay. climbing the same day that I've gone surfing here, here and there a few times, and you feel huh. really, re- you can feel really relaxed when you get out of the water. So like I've gone to the gym or whatever, and one time I went to Mickey's Beach after surfing, and I've had I've had like decent sessions. Hmm. But um, if you go if you go for as long as I did the last two days, like you're pretty you're pretty fatigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's a lot. I mean, you probably, I was, I was joking today with my buddy Vitale, who I went with that. Um, I actually, like I climbed on his home wall last night and, um, I was like, man, if I had done as many moves on the wall as I had strokes paddling in the water, <laughs> I would be like really sore because <laughs> you probably pat, you know, you, you paddle like you know, 500 times with each arm or something while you're sure. out in the water for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> what about your skin? I imagine all that time in the salt water must kind of mess your skin up. Mm, it actually doesn't mess with mine as much as you'd think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I went, I actually climbed a little bit on their Woody last night after I went surfing yesterday and my skin felt really 
almost glassy. Huh. Because I climbed on granite like a, a few days ago okay. for a couple days, and I think I developed some like decent little granite granite calluses. Okay. And um, yeah, the surf yesterday morning didn't seem to mess with my skin at all. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, maybe because it's like cold water or because it's like salt water or something. Maybe it's like... Just sucks all the oils yeah. out of there and... I don't even know if it does that. Yeah, maybe like the 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 salt content. Maybe because it's either because it's cold or because it's salty, it doesn't it doesn't like prune your skin very much. Okay, you don't get the pruny yeah. hot tub hot tub hands. Mm-mm. Gotcha. No, not at all. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. Right on. Well, when I reached out to you for this, you pitched a really interesting conversation idea, and I would love to to jump into this as much as I'd love to just make this a surfing podcast and keep asking you <laughs> surfing questions because <laughs> it is super interesting. But yeah, you had an idea to talk about self perception and uh, self limiting beliefs, and and I thought that was really interesting. What was it that? that made that come to mind. It it sounds like that's just something that you've been thinking about and kind of observing lately with, with maybe yourself or just with other climbers. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's something that I've been keenly aware of with myself and with just everyone that I climb with or even observe climbing for the last probably 10 years or so. I think when I was first starting climbing, like I, I wasn't, quite as aware of it just how much like our self-perception played into our performance on the rock but i think you know as i get older and i just like think about these things more and more yeah i I just have little epiphanies about it you know and i think the last one I, i think i had been toying with this idea that climbers biggest limiting factor with performance on the wall is their self-perception. I think I'd been toying with that quite a bit in the few days before you texted me and say, Hey, I I wanted to run these ideas by you about like an offshoot sort of podcast idea that I had. Yeah. Right. So I think I was like, you know, and then, you know, we talked about your idea and then afterward I was like, Hey, I think a really good idea would be to like, you know, ask the pros that you have these follow-up calls with if, if there's anything that, like they've been thinking about in terms of performance climbing and, you know, how people can get better and just how they've been thinking about performance climbing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the phenomenon that we are only as good as we tell ourselves we are Hmm. is really, I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about that much in climbing. You know, I think obviously mental training and, you know, psychological preparation, strategy, all that is something that people do talk about quite a, quite a bit. But I think that something that like pro climbers don't talk about that often is how much, basically, like when they're projecting something, like how much of that is simply just talking themselves into it. And I think I actually touched on this with Neely forever ago, mm. and maybe we even talked about it too in the last conversation we had. But I think that when I observe people especially like partners of mine and close friends and stuff. When I, when I sort of like do the thing that my brain just does automatically, which is like evaluate people's climbing and, and people's like mental outlook and stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah. Look at you. Like telling yourself all these stories about what you are and aren't capable of, Hmm. you know? 
and like how long you know how long has have each of these people really existed in that space of pushing what they think is capable for themselves higher and higher you know i think the biggest difference between a beginner rock climber and adamandra aren't like the muscle fibers that are covering their body it's actually <laughs> adamandra is just way more familiar with what he's actually capable of hmm. and like newer climbers even like intermediate advanced climbers they just don't know what they're capable of yet but everyone tells themselves these stories about what they think they're capable of you know like that's how that's why grades are so limiting Mm. Is because they're just, I mean, you know, everyone's like, oh, grades are important because they're a guide and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they help you determine what route to get on. It's like, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> you don't want to, like, get on a 514 by accident if you've never done a 513. And then just, like, <laughs> I don't really know what the danger of that would be. But, like, the thing that grades do most for people is they set up this imaginary ceiling. They're like, mm. okay, well, this is what I've done in the past. This is how strong I think that I know that I am or whatever. So this is how I'm going to do on this climb or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, people, it, people come to all these conclusions about how they're going to measure up on certain climbs before they even get on them. Mm. And then, you know, they, they go up them once or twice and they're like, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not strong enough to do this or whatever. Mm -hmm. It is so often, or it is so interesting too, that you so often see that at the cusp grades, like you see the climber that's really struggling to break into to 12A or to 13A or, mm -hmm. and I can identify mm -hmm. with this one, like the 14A grade still feels like this really big daunting thing to me, mm -hmm. but like breaking into 11D is you know you never hear about that as like someone's big hang up like oh i just can't climb <laughs> right. 11d i've been trying for right. years and it's so arbitrary you know like that's just our american system and right and i don't have any direct experience with this but i've heard that it's kind of different in europe you know like people get stuck at 8a which is 13b uh -huh, and it's uh -huh. it, you know it's just because it's a different number system and they attach a different right to the grade totally yeah i mean i'm sure that that's like a phenomenon that people could calculate if they want to, you know, like how long did it take you to do your first 13A if you're American? How long did it take you to do your first 13B if you're a European versus your first 12D or your first, you know, 13A? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, we definitely automatically measure ourselves up to and use grades as something that, you know, we limit ourselves with, I think. I haven't like really witnessed this in person, but I, I heard the coaches at Touchstone talk about it a lot, how sometimes when the setters would set new problems on the wave at Ironworks, they would cover up all the grades before the teen team kids got there. And then they'd have them like session on the problems before they revealed the grades. And every single time, the kids would climb a grade or two harder when they didn't know what the grades of the were. <laughs> wow, that is so interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So what should we do, Ethan? Just throw all our guidebooks <laughs> in the in the garbage can and just go out climbing? I mean, yes. I think that people should do that. I think that people should rely on guidebook guidebooks way less than they do. Huh. Because you know, you like you see people come up to these areas 
and they look at the guidebook before they even look at the wall mm. or at least like before they even look at all the routes, mm. you know, and it's like, don't let a guidebook tell you what to be inspired by. Hmm. Just look up at the wall and pick a climb that you think is inspiring and stick with it. Hey, friends. I hope you enjoyed that teaser of this week's follow-up. If you want full access to follow-ups, you can sign up for $5 a month on Patreon at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. Or you can go to thenuggetclimbing.com and click on the support the podcast button at the top. If you're on your smartphone, just tap those two little lines at the top of the page and you'll see the button in the drop-down menu. $5 per month gets you access to all follow-up calls, past and future, as long as you are a member. You'll have access to all of them. As you just heard in the teaser, I've been recording some follow-up conversations with past guests on the show to talk about what they've been up to lately and to go even further into the weeds on a specific topic than we typically would on the podcast. Follow-ups are 20 to 30 minutes in length, occasionally longer, and I will be releasing one every other week to make sure I always have plenty of podcast guests to follow up with. If you sign up for follow-up calls, what you are really doing is supporting the regular podcast and helping me continue to chase down interesting guests so I can pick their brains and bring you new nuggets every week. And by signing up on Patreon, you get some bonus content to look forward to as well. In addition to getting access to follow-ups, I will also let you know who's coming up on the show, and you can submit patron questions for upcoming guests, as you have undoubtedly heard in other episodes of the podcast. Five bucks per month. Think of it as buying me a beer at the local brewery after a long day of climbing. Whether or not you choose to sign up, thank you for listening, and feel free to share the podcast with your friends or leave a rating on your listening app. It truly helps. And I appreciate you for tuning in. I am very grateful for you guys. Much love to you all. We'll see you next time. Like we do it.